guys. I'm Noelle Moran. And I'm Lois Shaw. And this is In Service. Welcome back. It's episode four. And we're going to talk about Ephesians 4. And we know that many of you are starting out your school year this week. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) How does it feel, Noelle? Give me give me a couple of adjectives to describe the beginning of your school year. That's a great question. Um anticipatory and great one. Excited. I'm super pumped for this school year and just the opportunity that I have to continue building relationships with the students that I had last year, a lot of them I'm actually going to have again this year, which is exciting. Mm. And then I'm teaching a new class. So I get to teach creative writing this year. And that is a class I'm definitely very excited about. So just excited about things that the Lord is doing through my school and the opportunities that he's given me to continue to pour into students. What about this you, is the first time it's the fall and I'm not going back. How does that feel? You know, I'm hesitant to say on this podcast (laughs) geared toward teachers, but I feel great (laughs) because the Lord has called me to different things right now and I want to steward what he's put on my plate. Well, I think one of the cool things about the gifts that the Lord has given you, but also this podcast is that while you and I are speaking to things geared towards teachers, it really does apply to a lot of different platforms and different jobs. So a lot of what we're talking about today, you certainly can carry over into your new profession, but also um, a lot of people can apply it to their own setting because these ideas and concepts of loving the Lord well and treating other people well and valuing your words, like we talked about in, la- in the last episode, that's not just about teachers. Teachers are not the only people impacting others, having conversations with others. And so it's not, it's not only important to speak life into students, but also into your peers, into your coworkers, into your administration, into parents and anyone in any work setting. Even if you're a student, this applies to everyone. Like the Lord doesn't just call teachers to speak life. He calls all of his people to speak life. I do feel like I've been surprised at how I'm going throughout my day and be like interacting with people in the body of Christ, which is what we're going to talk about today. And I'll be surprised at things I will say to a brother or sister in Christ. And I'm like, oh, I learned that from my years as a teacher. I picked up that skill from my years as a teacher and the training ground that educating is as fruitful impact in the body of Christ in general. Yeah, I think one of the cool parts about having your perspective on this, it kind of links both your experience as a teacher and the framework that you have and how all of those lessons apply to so many other areas of life. Ultimately, yes, our mission statement is empowering teachers towards gospel centricity, but ultimately we just want to empower people towards gospel centricity. Mm. We're using the lens of teaching and of education because that is where the Lord has given us the most experience. But Mm. our call, as we say at the end of every episode, is to make disciples. Our hope and our prayer is is to just be an encouraging space for really anyone. That's just been really cool to see the Lord work through this platform that he's given us. Mm. But going on today, we want to be focusing specifically on Ephesians 4, 
I'll talk a little bit about verse one, but really focusing on verses 11 through 17. So 11 through 17 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine to human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together in every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So this idea of building up the body of Christ. Verses 14 and 15 say, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to focus on these two verses in particular because... I do have the opportunity to be teaching at a Christian school, and so I can explicitly share the gospel. And thinking about that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I had the opportunity a few years ago to teach a Bible class to freshmen. And on probably the first week of school, we were having a conversation about what it practically looks like to follow Christ. Going beyond just I accept Christ as my savior, then what does it look like day to day to be disciplined in your walk with Christ? And so I was talking to freshmen about this and they were trying to figure out, they were brainstorming different ways in which they could be consistent in their walk with Christ. So if you want to learn about the character of Christ, you need to be reading the Bible. And I was Mm. like, it's the same way. If you want to learn about me, you're not going to go. I was like, you can go have a conversation with someone in my family, or you can go have a conversation with one of my friends and they can tell you things about me that Mm -hmm. are true and that are accurate. But if you want to get the most real authentic version of me, you'll talk Mm. to me. And so that applies to teaching and that applies to lesson planning and thinking about what does it look like to be combining and to be integrating the Bible into your lessons. Mm. Open up your Bible and figure out raw ways to be incorporating these various, what does it look like to have humility and how can you use In an English classroom, how can I be using books to pull out those character traits? What does this look like to practically be learning about the characteristics of Christ in an English classroom? Hmm. If I'm sharing these things, I want to be making sure that it is rooted in the Bible and it is Hmm. not rooted in things outside of the Bible or ideas of what I think the Bible might say or ideas of what other people may think the Bible may say. They may be great ideas, but by physically opening up Hmm. the Bible and just diving into God's word, that is how our students will be rooted in the gospel and won't be to and fro so easily. Okay. I was just thinking about how, so I went, first of all, great points, Noel. I was, (laughs) I was thinking about how I went, so I went to public school in Vermont, which was super not Christian. And there were these, our school had these policies called the five guidelines. And I remember thinking when I was in high school, like these are the waves of empty doctrine (laughs) that scripture is talking about. Like just to what end would I want to have the five guidelines were like integrity, respect, 
being on time. I can't even remember them all now, but I was, I remember. Thinking, I love that being on time was one of your. I know. We said them every morning too. It was like, we are here. We are on time. We have integrity. We're kind. Anyway. Um, I remember thinking like the, to what end, like, why would it matter if you didn't have a savior worth serving? And I, I mean, I, I mean the whole school, we would like make fun of it. And I don't even realize, I don't think teachers realize we were making fun of it where, you know, someone would be like being ridiculous in class and you'd be like, Hey man, can you like try to follow the five guidelines? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember thinking it was clear to me that that was empty because it was completely lacking the point of why you would want to be having Christ-like characteristics. If you take Christ out of Christ-likeness, like what, what is the goal here? Um, and it wasn't effective. I mean, I don't think any of those concepts are things that lasted in, in any students. I'm like, that was an obvious way in which there was empty doctrine. And now I'm like, it gets more and more complicated to find when you're in Christian settings or when you're older and in professional settings, what are the empty doctrines and how do I separate that from scripture? And I really think it's important to know scripture, going back to what you were saying, Noel, about being in the word and knowing Jesus's words and knowing what's in the epistles, knowing what instruction is given for us in the new Testament, knowing what what is Christ requiring of us and what is what does empty deceit look like in your context? Does it look like legalism? Does it look like a bunch of hodgepodge missing Jesus stuff in the public school? What is guiding your ship? Is it Christ? And what is all just the other junk of the world? Um, so what does it look like to walk in a manner worthy of the calling? practical day-to-day teaching like what does that look like I think for me when I think about walking in a manner worthy of the calling that's showing up every day and putting your needs aside for your students to put yourself on their level and to meet them where they are making sure that they know how excited you are to have them in your class making sure how welcome they are you are guiding them along and that starts with you yourself walking the walk Mm. students I mean in my great experience students don't listen that much when you're talking and so walk the walk (laughs) and they will pay far more attention real it's just we're not going to downplay that one I could sit in front of my I could stand (gasps) for my students and I could give them like in my eyes just an absolutely wonderful speech for 10 minutes (laughs) just share my heart with them and they will forget it within, they will be zoned out, forget it within five seconds, but they will remember something that I wore three weeks ago if I wear it again. Yes. So it's really walk the walk over, talk the talk. Okay. That's an excellent point. And I love that you just called that out. <laughs> I am. Um... Oh, it's good. I think ultimately to walk in a manner worthy on the calling is to know that your job is to serve. You are a servant of Christ and approaching your job each way. I'm not the main character, even in my own classroom. And I don't, I honestly don't want to be. Um, And I think from that in approaching it in a servant hearted way, that humility and gentleness and patience 
and bearing with each other, one another in love. You're seeing your students for who they are, not who you want them to be. Those come when your heart's posture is to guide kids towards Christ Mm. rather than more so than anything else. Lois, what are some ways in which you can practically be displaying these character qualities and building up the body of Christ when it comes to some more difficult conversations, whether that be with administration or with coworkers or parents or guardians? Are you referring to uh, verse 15, speaking the truth in love? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel like Christians uh, often use the phrase speaking the truth in love to cushion speaking the truth in harshness. Like, I'm just speaking the truth in love. You're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a, it's a weaponized verse. So we need to be incredibly cautious when we use it of like this verse has been manipulated in the American church and we need to be cautious about it. Um, So I often need to step back and ask myself, do I really truly love this person? Do I, am I okay with the fact that Jesus loves them as much as he loves me? And if there's tension there in my heart, I need to go address that before I address this person. If I really, really deeply, if I like, if I love them with the love of Christ, if there is no animosity in my heart toward them, if I have forgiven them or I have come to terms with the fact that they have forgiven me. Like if I can view them with the lens of how Christ sees them and I have gotten the log out of my own eye, then I would feel comfortable speaking the truth to them. If that was a a point of tension, if you're trying to address a conflict with a person, um, I'm not saying I've done that perfectly every time, but that would be the practical, correct application in my understanding, I'm just thinking about, there was a year when I was just noticing a ton of racial tension in the middle school and felt like it was really important for me to just address it as a class and partner with the Holy spirit. And that listened to him uh, pray earnestly, even as I was speaking for tact. And what came out of that was like a really beautiful time of students sharing how they had been hurt and a time of like, student prompted praying over each other, which again is something that could only happen in the private school setting that I was in at the time, but, um, being willing to call out the hard things when you have checked your own heart first, when you're listening to the Holy spirit, even, even in, um, like the teacher's lounge, or there's a tendency to just start ragging on students together and let's not do that. In the 2020-2023 school year. Nope. What? what year? In the, <laughs> the, four year, the four year long the school 20- year. <laughs> That's what it feels like. In the 22-23 school year, let's not rag on students in the teacher's lounge. Let's speak in loving ways about the people that the Lord has given us to steward and disciple. Um, I remember my first year teaching. And I was teaching middle school at the time. I received a very, a very harsh email from a parent about an assignment that I had given. I remember looking at that email and reading over all that I had to say. And this was my first really tough email that I had received just a couple of weeks into teaching. While it was really painful to read, I think as teachers, 
you need to be able to carefully evaluate what is being said. Is there any truth to what is being said, no matter how it is presented? And then how do you acknowledge it, own up to it, if there is anything for you to own up to? But then also love the parent or guardian that you're speaking to well. I remember even thinking Mm. in that moment, I looked at that and I thought, wow, that is a harsh email. I have no idea what else happened parents day. I don't know what happened beforehand. Mm. I don't know what happened afterwards, but Mm. I would rather be the recipient of this email than somebody else. Mm. I took some time and I gave it about 12 hours and I really pondered and was able to take a step back and to read that email again later and think about, is there any truth to what is being said? What are some ways in which I can proactively ensure that this experience doesn't happen again? Mm. But really just praying over the situation and understanding that you may be receiving a very isolated moment of Mm. this person's day. And even if it's not an isolated moment with them, of course, if the communication continues to be abrasive, then that's a conversation to have with Mm. administration. But it's just really important being able to take a step back and just really evaluate the situation with clear eyes Mm. and pray over the situation in general. And the Lord will give you the words to speak and her posture to respond correctly. Mm. I was just thinking here about when it says speaking the truth in love so that we are we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Like speaking the truth in love is for the goal of us becoming like Christ. It's for the goal of sanctification. And sometimes people speak the truth in bitterness so that you will become more like what they want you to be like to benefit them. <laughs> Or let me rephrase that. We can speak the truth to people in frustration. We can speak the truth, even if it's truth, to our students in frustration so that they will become what we want them to be in the classroom instead of speaking the truth to them out of genuine love so that they will become more like Christ. And and know ultimately, especially if you're in a public school, into into knowing maybe what Christ is like. Um, I'm thinking about the times when people have said truth to me. They may be things that really genuinely are true, but when they are not said from a place of like, I trust them. I trust that they love me. I trust they have my best interest in mind. I either can't receive it or my heart receives it in the harshness in which it was spoken. And that's not going to be growthful for me. It's going to be damaging. That's my perspective as a receiver. I know there have been times when I've failed to speak truth and love to others. It's so easy in the moment when a student is acting out when they need to hear truth, just to speak harshly or to speak truth out of frustration, not out of love and wanting everyone to be sanctified and growth into who Christ is. What's your favorite time of the day, Noel? Oh, you better believe it's action step time. Action step time. Would you like to go first? What are your action steps? Okay, so as I have thought about this episode, I've been going through your teacher work week. And it's really easy as you look at all the other teachers preparing their rooms and their lesson plans and just seeing the variety of ways in which people approach 
preparing for a new school year, I think it's really easy to get into a headspace of comparing yourself to who has more lesson plans or who has more curriculum or who has the best classroom and X, Y, Z. And the same way in which I look at my students and I think about the uniqueness in which the Lord created them and how it's my job to pull out those skill sets, to also own the gifts that the Lord has given you personally as a teacher. But then also when you see ways in which the Lord has gifted other teachers, champion them, just call that out and be like, hey, you are incredible at decorating your classroom. I have a friend who just absolutely kills it every year. Her name is Lois Shaw, but she <laughs> kills it. That's a joke. Is it me? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Every single year, Lois kills it on her classroom. She does such a good job. And honestly, nothing stresses me out more than the beginning of a school year and preparing my classroom because it's not my skill set. But yeah, so I think okay. just taking specific moments to champion other teachers and just encourage them as they start up another school year as well. That's beautiful. Well, something I used to always tell the cast because it's a tempting space to compare each other is take every opportunity to champion each other every time, like to each other. I want them to like go to one another and encourage each other to remember that everyone around them is made in the image of God to remember that they are made in the image of God and take every single opportunity to encourage each other and empower each other in the truth of what you're seeing in one another. And speaking the truth in love doesn't always have to be hard truth. It can be uplifting truth. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you feel empowered in the gospel and in the words of the greatest teacher. Go and make disciples. Disciples.